Welcome back into First Draft, the best show if you're looking for NFL draft content. And we are just around the corner from full-on draft season with just one NFL game left to be played. I'm Field Yates, and as always, I'm joined by the man who is the NFL draft, Mel Kuyper Jr. Mel, the senior bowl is in the rearview mirror. It is fully feeling like it is time for draft season upon us. Field, this is the last podcast. going to be all buttoned up here with a sport coat and tie. So yep. I'll let you know that right off the all bat. Right. We're going to get into a lot of coaching changes and what teams may do, may not do. And a lot of debates at the top of the draft board. Who's going to fall to which team? It's going to be really fun to see how this plays out. A lot of options teams have in terms of needs and which players may be there when they're up to select. That is absolutely the truth. We have eight teams with new head coaches after a busy, busy NFL offseason. All the vacancies have been officially filled. We're going to dive into some of the big decisions just a couple of bookkeeping reminders. If you're watching us here on ESPN2, thank you. If you're watching us on YouTube, available every Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern time. And then for those that are still podcast viewers, of course, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Mel mentioned it, so let's dive right into it. We have some teams with new head coaches and some major decisions to make. Jim Harbaugh is headed out to Los Angeles. He's back in the NFL mail with GM Joe Hortiz. Of course, you know him well from his time during the Baltimore Ravens. They are on the clock at pick number five. Let's talk through the decisions that they have to make, focusing in not just on the player that you had in your most recent mock draft, but also some other options that might be on the table. You know what? It would have been fun field if they didn't have Justin Herbert. Luckily, sure. they do have Justin yeah. Herbert, who Jim Harbaugh loves, right? But Jim Harbaugh is kind of going on record saying J.J. McCarthy, his guy at Michigan, could go number one in the draft. He's, uh, he's doing the mock drafts, Jim is. He's saying, Come on, Jim. What if they didn't have the quarterback? Would he, would he go five? We'll see. That would have been interesting to see. But they have Justin Herbert, so Jim Harbaugh doesn't have to worry about taking his quarterback, J.J. McCarthy. We'll see where he falls. And he may come up in our discussion today, field, that name, J.J. McCarthy. But sure. for the Chargers, they have their elite quarterback and Justin Herbert needs to get over the hump a bit. Yeah, he's been a quarterback that in the final two, three minutes of a game when you need the field goal, you need the touchdown, doesn't get it done. So, again, that's when you really have to come through and pieces around him have to be better as well, right? So you think about the offensive line. You think about another wide receiver in the mix. of a lot of injury issues at wide receiver. Who's a key guy field? Moving forward next year for the L.A. Chargers, it's going to be Quentin Johnston. Mm. Quentin Johnston is a guy coming out of TCU, had some drops, right? Consistency catching the football was the issue. We saw a little bit of that this year. Didn't have the impactful performances you really needed to have. You saw what Zay Flowers did. You saw what Addison did. It didn't get that with Johnston, right? See Jackson Smith and Jigba as well. You didn't get it with the fourth first-round receiver, which was Quentin Johnston overall. He had four receivers in round one. Three produced, one didn't. He needs to step up. He needs to be a key guy for the L.A. Chargers. If they get that field, then they could look to the O-line, right? Or they could look to the tight end position, who's the best receiving entity in this draft outside of Marvin Harrison Jr. I think it's Brock Bowers. So I'm on Brock Bowers. Another reason, field. Tight end centric is Jim Harbaugh. Sure. With the Ravens, go through his career wherever he's been, right? Who was the number one go-to guy for J.J. McCarthy? It was Colston Loveland. Yeah. They brought in a lot of tight ends. They had all these guys. That's always been the case. So I think Brock Bowers, for me, for Jim Harbaugh, for Justin Herbert, with Everett being a free agent, makes a lot of sense. You know, Mel, this is the case for all 32 teams in the NFL, but March is really going to educate us on what the Chargers will do come April for this very specific reason. Mike Williams and Keenan Allen currently are under contract for 2024. They have a combined cap charge of around $67 million. Each of them are at at least $32 million. What that tells you, Mel, is that if they don't either get an extension done or 
take a pay cut, they're probably not sticking around on the current parameters of their deal. And I'm not sure how motivated either of them would be to take a pay cut. So if there's a scenario in which both remain beyond, you know, for at least this season and beyond because of a modified deal, then I don't think wide receivers is as much of a need as you would agree with. But if both or one of them are gone, all of a sudden that wide receiver pick becomes that much more intriguing. So the other thing I think is important to mention is that when you have a new head coach and a new general manager, other than the guys, Mel, who are blue chip, no doubt about it, right? In this roster, guys like, for example, Justin Herbert and Rashawn Slater, just to name a couple on offense, if, you're not, if you are not a no-doubt-about-it player, your roster spot is not a guarantee going forward. Sir Quinton Johnson's going to be around, but this new regime may say, hey, you know what, he's a fine player, but this is not the kind of guy that's going to prevent us from taking another wide receiver early in the draft. So a couple of the names beyond the aforementioned Brock Bowers include Malik Neighbors and Roma Dunze. Two of the wide receivers in this year's class. It might be wide receiver one in other years, right, Mel? And you and I have differed just ever so slightly on the order of those two players. But I would say this. If you told me the Chargers woke up on April 26th, which is day two of the NFL draft, with Malik Neighbors or Roma Dunze as their new wide receiver one, my, itch, my answer would be job well done by them. No doubt about it. Uh, Romo Dunze, I've always given the slight edge to in terms of my ratings board. Mock drafts are going to be kind of all over the place because you're splitting hairs with these two receivers. But Odunze, neighbors, uh, when you have Quentin Johnson, as you said, what's going to happen with the two veterans? But I think tight end with Bowers, who can do everything. He can block. He can run after the catch. He's got great hands. Odunze as well, the consistency. And I think Bowers and Odunze have the one thing in common. They've done it over the long haul. Odunze this year was special. Every game field, nobody could could contain him. Nobody. I think about the national championship game. He was open. Michael Penix Jr. didn't bring his A game, right? He was off target with some of those throws. So, for me, wide receiver is tempting. How about offensive tackle as yeah. well with Joe Alt sitting there? Lane Johnson, left tackle, moved to right tackle. Obviously, Slater is the guy, but you have Alt there available possibly to help out Justin Herbert if you don't want to go tight end with Bowers and you feel, feel like Quentin Johnson is going to emerge, right, in year two. Then you could go with Joe Alt and put him over at right tackle. That all is helping your young quarterback get better. Now, obviously, Jim Harbaugh has been a quarterback whisperer wherever he's been. He had a quarterback, uh, Tavita Pritchard, as a 42-point underdog. Right, Stanford beat USC. Wow. Okay, so he's done it wherever he's been. University of San Diego with Josh Johnson. This yeah. is long before Andrew Luck was at Stanford, right? And he had JJ McCarthy. He had Colin Kaepernick in San Francisco. Bottom line is Jim Harbaugh. He gets quarterbacks to maximize their ability and play their best football. So for Justin Herbert, we know it's going to happen. Getting one of the players on the board that we talked about, field, whether it's the tight end, the receiver, whether it's the tackle, is going to make that happen. Just to put a pin in the thought on the idea of taking a right tackle, in this case, Joel from Notre Dame, who we both believe has the goods to transition from left tackle to right tackle. Heck, he just transitioned from tight end, at least on a part-time basis, back in 2021 to a full-time left tackle. He's been unbelievable over the past two seasons for Notre Dame. I think Trey Pipkins, their current right tackle, is a good example of what I was referring to is that Pipkins is a fine player. He was re-signed to a three-year deal last year worth around $7.5-$8 million per year, Mel. He's a fine, solid starter. If they go back to Trey Pipkins as their starter in 2024, I'm not going to say that that is some major weakness on the roster, but Pipkins also isn't at the level, in my estimation, where if you... The Chargers feel as though the best player on your board at pick number five is an offensive tackle. You can't take him because you feel like you already have the guy. So whether it's a pass catcher or a pass protector, 
I do think the Chargers board lines up nicely. It just has quite a bit of optionality. Mm -hmm. And in some ways, you and I feel as though the draft kind of gets started here at pick number five with the prevailing thought continuing to be that the first four selections could be three quarterbacks and then Marvin Harrison Jr. Before we come back in just one moment, just a reminder of some of the first-round picks under uh, Jim Harbaugh with the 49ers. Alden Smith, 2011. A.J. Jenkins, the wide receiver, 30th overall. Eric Reed, 18th overall, the safety. And then yet another safety a year later, Jimmy Ward. He, of course, still playing in the NFL now with the Houston Texans. All right, that's one team in the books. We have many other teams to discuss teams with new head coaches and a significant decision to make. We'll dive into the Washington Commanders coming up next here on First Draft. He's Mel Kuyper. I'm Field Yates. We'll be back in just one moment. All right, we're back here on First Draft. I'm Field Yates. He is Mel Kuyper Jr. He needs no introduction. And Mel, not too far from where you call home, the Washington Commanders now have not just a new head coach, but also a new offensive coordinator, that being Dan Quinn as the head coach and Cliff Kingsbury as the new offensive coordinator. They have the second overall pick in the 2024 NFL Draft, the highest they've had in quite some time. How would you be addressing this spot if you were the new GM, Adam Peters? Got to figure out who the quarterback is, Field. Is it Caleb Williams going number one? Do you have an, any reason to believe that it's uh, worthy of going up there? Do you feel Caleb Williams is the guy and everybody else is a baby second, a, a pretty significant second behind Caleb Williams? Or do you feel like, hey, there's a quarterback that we like as much as Caleb Williams or maybe a little more? So this gets down to how they evaluate these three quarterbacks, Field. I think you stay at two, Caleb Williams goes number one, then you're deciding between Jaden Daniels from LSU and Drake May from North Carolina. Drake May had three games, went even after Tez Walker came back. Clemson game, Virginia game, NC State game. I keep harping on it because I went back and I've looked at those games time and time again and said, okay, why were those throws not accurately delivered? I, there was no reason. So I think you look at Jaden. How many games like that did he have? Zero. Zero. Yeah. Jaden Daniels was lights out all year. Jaden Daniels was on fire all year in pressure situations where he had a match points with the opposition. Yes, he had Brian Thomas Jr. and Malik Neighbors, right? But you think about where we are right now with Jaden Daniels. He may have made everybody better because guess what? He stressed the defense phenomenally well with his legs. This guy is a remarkable running threat. He keeps plays alive like here that other quarterbacks would have been sacked or just thrown the ball away, right? Given up, right? He's going to create things when nothing's there like Lamar Jackson does, like Josh Allen does, like Patrick Mahomes does, right? All these, who are the best quarterbacks in the NFL? Well, it's Patrick Mahomes, right? By a significant margin, right? Because he's winning the Super Bowls, right? Then it's Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow. Well, you think about Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow, underrated part of Joe's game is he can beat you with his legs. Mm. If it's third and eight, he can get you 10 yards, right? So with Jaden, Jaden is going to be spectacular running the football, keeping things alive. Jaden Daniels had a great year. Jaden Daniels, I'd be curious to see what his weight is when they weigh him, if he, if he decides to let them weigh him. Who knows how that'll go? He told me he was about... You know, 206 in that area. Uh, you know, was he, he going to be 185, 190, 195? At one point in his career, it looked like he was 170, 175 back at Arizona State days. But does that even matter now? 
Bryce Young went, Young went number one. We know he was a manufacturer, 205, 206. So, again, he was 5'10", right? Jaden's tall, angular. So, for me, Jaden can make every throw. Drayden stresses the defense with his legs. I just say, what's he lacking, Field? He had two years back-to-back -back where he was aggressive with his leg, aggressive with his arm and legs, and didn't turn the ball over. Yeah. You know, he runs aggressively, throws aggressively, and didn't wasn't a turnover nightmare. So, for me, Field, I think if you go Jaden uh, Daniels or Drake May, in this case, I projected Jaden. Daniels, that's what I think they could do, they should do, and they need offensive line help field, no question about it. They need pass rushers, obviously, no Montez Sweat, no Chase Young. Bottom line is, here, you got to take the quarterback and then use those two second-round picks on a defensive end or an offensive lineman. Yeah, of course, that second second-round pick comes from the, from the Chicago Bears because of that Montez Sweat trade. I want to introduce this, Mel, because everybody will be asking the same question after Cliff Kingsbury was hired. He, of course, was on the offensive staff for USC this past season. We don't know what the price would be for Washington to move up from two to one, which is the only way to guarantee that you get Caleb Williams if he's your preferred target. All I know about that price, Mel, is it will be incredibly expensive. Do you think it's worth it to move up from two to one to guarantee the possibility to reunite Cliff Kingsbury and Caleb Williams? It depends how they feel, Field. If they feel Caleb Williams is, like I say, significantly better than Jaden Daniels or Drake May, then you try to make that move. Because it's all about quarterbacks, Field. Nobody's going to care those other picks you give up. If you would get that elite quarterback, and they have a lot of talent on this football team, make mm. no mistake about it, and you're in the NFC where there's not that high number of elite quarterbacks like the NFC is. AFC's loaded with them. AFC, the NFC's not. And you think about this division, right? you got Dak. And then you have the Giants with Daniel Jones coming back from the injury. The Eagles with Jalen Hurts. You think about where we are now with, with Washington. If they added a quarterback like Caleb Williams, who was a local product from Gonzaga High School, yep. where I was watching him play in the, at, the, at the prep level here in this area, right? Do they want to go that route? As you said, giving up a lot to go up one spot and get Caleb. But all depends upon the difference in Caleb and the number two quarterback. My personally, Field, I don't think that gap's enough. Right now, Caleb Williams, from the, if Caleb Williams would have played this year like he did in 2022, I'd have said definitely, do what you got to do to get up there. But from the, really the Notre Dame game one, he didn't. And that was kind of inexplicable as well, why he didn't perform at a higher level. Okay, yeah. We can excuse away different things. Bottom line is, if we're going to excuse away for him, why not excuse away for Drake May? So I think the, the gap right now isn't that significant. I would sit at two and look at Jaden Daniels. That's my opinion. Uh, Drake May would be the third quarterback which would mean that we would fall right in the lap of the New England Patriots. But I, I, if the gap's huge, you make the move. If it's not field, you don't. I don't think it will be enough to make that move. No, you did say that no one cares about the picks if the quarterback is legit. And if Caleb Williams is traded up for and then becomes one of the five best quarterbacks in the NFL, no one will care. But if he's not that male... People will absolutely care about that trade, right? I mean, look at the cost that Carolina paid this past year to move up from 9-1 to one to take Bryce Young, pass on C.J. Stroud, and to be clear, everybody was saying that Bryce Young was very deserving of that number one pick. But the problem is, if Bryce Young, and it's way too early to write him off, but if he is not a true blue franchise quarterback going forward... You have set your franchise back quite a bit as it turned out that extra first-round pick they traded to Chicago, the number one overall pick in this year's draft. We could talk about the Cliff and the Washington thing all year. I'm just going to tell you this right now, people. Whatever price you think it's going to take to move up to number one in your own mind, 
probably add a little bit of a tax on there. It's one of the most valuable picks in quite some time, given Caleb Williams' stature as a prospect, even if imperfect. Let's go to the Patriots at pick three, Mel. And is this one as simple in your mind as whichever of the three quarterbacks is available, you write the name down on the card, and you just take that player? Yeah, this is really a shame for Mac Jones because they didn't get help for Mac Jones. And he had the problem with the offensive coordinator systems changing, offensive line an issue, wide receivers an issue. That problem is still there. But you can't get everything solved with your first-round pick. That's the one thing we, we rely and harp on too much, that one pick. Like the drafts over after the first round, right? Drafts are made from the second round on. Mm. A lot of drafts are made on day three. What happens there? Just think about Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, and Tom Brady, the greatest of all time, goes at the end of the sixth round. They took a corner from Virginia ahead of them with their own pick, and a kid from Southwest Texas State and a kid from Hofstra, two quarterbacks, went ahead of Tom Brady. So those are, are where decisions are made that are critical, that really impact your fr franchise dramatically, day three, certainly day two. Day one, you just got one pick. For the most part, you have one selection. And you got to take the quarterback here if you're New England. Only though, Field, and this is the one caveat to that, only if the third pick when you're up is a quarterback you have strong conviction yeah. about. Yeah. If you feel that, hey, it's Caleb Williams and it's, say, Jaden Daniels. And Drake May, I'm a little iffy. If you're iffy, if you have any doubts, you don't have to take that quarterback field just because he's in mock drafts or whatever or people in the media are saying you need to do this. You have to have everybody believing in that guy strongly to take a quarterback three because there's other quarterbacks, okay? Right. Yep. Every quarterback doesn't have to be the high first-round pick to be good. Now, the numbers are, are minimal, but there are other guys we could point out that turned out to be really good. I just think if Drake May, if you believe in Drake May and you feel like you can fix some of the things we saw late that bothered us, right? He didn't have Josh Downs. He didn't have Green. He didn't have his coordinator from the previous year. Uh, so, so if you feel like you can get him back to the way he was in 2022 when he looked like he was going to challenge Caleb Williams for the number one pick overall, sure. if you believe that field, then at three, you take the quarterback, Drake May. And you also look at, pri at previous years going back in the history of the draft, the third quarterback, and I've talked about this a lot, the third quarterback that you kind of settle for, right, it's turned out to be, in a lot of cases, better than the guys that went ahead of them. Yeah, Mel, I have, uh, I've softened my stance because my stance has been throughout the first however many, like let's call it six episodes that we've done so far, first draft, that like if you're the Patriots, it's as simple as whichever of the three quarterbacks is available, pick three, you write the name on the card, you take him, and you tailor your offense to whatever that player does best. I still believe that because I believe that if it's Drake May or if it's Jaden Daniels or if it's Caleb Williams, all three are very much deserving of that number three overall selection. It's not that hard for me to go back to the 2022 tape and watch Drake May as a redshirt freshman win ACC Offensive Player of the Year, ACC Newcomer of the Year, set the North Carolina single-season record for passing touchdowns. Oh, by the way, on top of throwing for 4,000-plus yards, Mel, he led the team in rushing. Like, that's a hard thing to do for a guy who's six foot four and 230 pounds. But you bring up a very important point. With every slot that you move down your quarterback board, the likelihood of all those players still being clustered decreases, right? So the Patriots might feel like there's one clear-cut guy. They might feel like there's two clear-cut guys. Maybe they feel like there's three clear-cut guys. But if you noted, as, if, as you noted, that gap grows exponentially between quarterback two and quarterback three, and quarterback three uh, is the one that is still available for them, Maybe the team explores some trade-down possibilities or 
Maybe they go the Marvin Harrison Jr. or Joe Alt as an example for uh, because those two players would fill what I would think are the Patriots' two most obvious needs besides quarterback. Worth noting, by the way, Gerard Mayo, the new head coach in New England. Elliot Wolf, the sort of acting lead of football operations right now, Mel. I'm not sure they're going to name a general manager, so we could see some Green Bay type evaluations taking place in New England. The Patriots not only have that number three overall pick, they've got a ton of cap space to work with as well. Another team whose march is going to dramatically influence their April. Mel, the Atlanta Falcons, for the third straight year, finished 7-10. and 10. For the third straight year, they have the eighth overall pick. After going tight end, wide receiver, running back, should the Falcons keep up with the offensive trend, or should GM Terry Fontenot support that defense a little bit? Yeah, could have had my boy Will Levis last year. Yep. And took running back B. John Robinson, who was active a player, but Will Levis drops to the second round. Turns out to show a great deal of promise, and now he's with Brian Callahan, and looks like we'll see how that develops. But, you know, we look at where we are right now with Atlanta, the quarterback position. Is there a quarterback field at this A spot that is going to be enticing to the Atlanta Falcons? Could they possibly move up and get one? What are they going to do at quarterback? Think about where we are with J.J. McCarthy. Where are we with Michael Penix Jr. and Bo Nix? Is there going to be that quarterback reach? You can talk about that. You've had conversations at the Senior Bowl with a lot of people about the quarterback position and trying to you know, jump up or, or take a guy too high or whatever you're going to do. But J.J. McCarthy is interesting. We know how much Jim Harbaugh loves his former quarterback at Michigan, right? There's mixed opinion, I think, around J.J. McCarthy coming into this draft. He didn't have to carry that football team on his shoulders. He didn't have to do it. He had an offensive line. He had a running game, okay, and he had a defense. So, but when he had to make plays field, JJ did. JJ just turned 21 years of age. JJ is a competitor. JJ is an athlete who can beat you with his legs. He had a key run in that national title game, got him out of trouble, and was a pivotal moment when he did that with his legs. Okay, and he made throws. A couple of them were dropped by receivers. One loved one, one by Johnson. So, bottom line is, JJ McCarthy, if you believe in this kid, I don't care what everybody else is saying. I care about what the Falcons' brain trust believes about JJ McCarthy. You feel he's a franchise quarterback. If you're in lockstep with Jim Harbaugh on this, this, right? Then you take him at eight. You take J.J. McCarthy. If you feel like I, we can't do that, then maybe you move down, right? If you feel it's a little too high. I'm not big into that because I believe you got to have strength and conviction on a quarterback. you got to really believe strongly in that guy. If you do, you take him at eight. You don't risk losing him, right? If you feel like, okay, J.J., we're not sold on him. Okay, we can go another route, maybe veteran or another guy. Then you look at pass rusher. You look at a guy off the edge, you can get after it. You look at a guy like Dallas Turner. You look at a guy like Latu Latu. I would think Turner, because of Latu's injury question, could go from Alabama. He had a great year. He really put up the sack numbers. He was a finisher field. So I think it gets into the pass rusher or the quarterback at that point. Uh, I don't know. What would you do? I, I, I think, I, I'm thinking Turner. Would you take J.J. McCarthy that high? I would not, know. And you and I were talking about this before the show. And I want people that are listening right now who might be advocates for the idea of taking a quarterback sooner than where that player ranks on our big board. I'd like to know the track record of quarterbacks that are, I'm going to use air quotes here, overdrafted. Because, Mel, historically, the reality is that more often than not, maybe even almost all the time, quarterbacks that are considered sort of first-round reaches end up not panning out, Mel. There's just not a great track record that tells us that Despite the fact that there are very few options in free agency every single year, and despite the fact that Atlanta probably has minimal levers to pull at quarterback, 
absent than taking one in the eighth overall pick. If J.J. McCarthy is the 19th player on your board, or if Bo Nix is the 23rd player on your board, or Michael Penix Jr. is the 18th or 23rd player on your board, usually, Mel, moving these players up artificially because of the need to take a quarterback and fill that spot does not work out well for teams. For now, I'm going to put my faith in the Falcons doing something during free agency to help alleviate that quarterback question mark, and I'm going to turn to, as you mentioned, pass rusher would make all the sense in the world to turn to a player like Dallas Turner from Alabama because while the Falcons did a good job sort of scheming up pressure last year under their former defensive coordinator Ryan Nielsen, their sack leader last year was Bud Dupree and also Calais Campbell with six and a half. Now, like, there's not a pure edge guy that this team could just say, hey, it's third and eight, obvious passing situations, just rush. Like We don't have that right now in Atlanta. The only thing that I wanted to mention that I don't think I'd really thought enough about, Mel, is that while Drake London, and I get, get all your jokes out now, people, about how the Falcons have criminally underutilized their three skill guys taken over the past three first rounds. After Drake London, how confident are you in that Falcons' second wide receiver spot? Because the cabinet is fairly barren, right? I mean, we're talking about guys like like Van Jefferson, who was traded for in the middle of the season last year. And, you know, we had Mac Hollins playing a role at a decent amount of time, right? Corderell Patterson, a jack-of-all-trades, more of a running back now. But still, it's not as if this wide receiver room is going to be confused for what Cincinnati has been rolling out in recent years now. You and I both love Roma Dunze and love Malik Neighbors. In a scenario in which either of those players falls to pick number eight, I could be talked into another wide receiver at pick number eight. Yeah, you could. And it, it's, it's certainly viable. And it makes sense. Uh, the wide receiver opposite London is an area where if you can get a no Dunze or a neighbors, people say, well, you got Pitts, you got London, you got B. John Robinson. Come on with the skill talent, right? Let's go and get a defensive player. Let's go get that quarterback. <laughs> but you're right. If Odunze or neighbors, who I believe are two of the best five, six, seven players in this draft, are there. And this is where... If you're picking eight, you got to get a guy inside of your eight. You can't go from pick eight and get your 10th best player, your 12th best player, your 15th best player. Yeah. So for me, you got to get one of those elite guys. You can make a strong argument that Romo Dunes and Malik Neighbors are right up there after you talk about Caleb Williams. If you want to put Jaden up there and Marvin Harrison Jr., you could put one of those guys in that fourth spot very easily, Field. So if you're picking eighth, get the fourth best player on your board. Hey, that's what you want. That's the best case scenario. So I know people would say, another skill position player? Really? Who's going to get the ball to these guys? Well, they got to figure out outfield. Now go to you. Who's gonna, If you're not taking a quarterback in this draft, who could they target the Atlanta Falcons in terms of a veteran coming in? There are very few options in free agency. Let me put that out there. It's a caveat for all the teams that might be looking to fill that void in free agency this offseason. Names to know. Kirk Cousins, who has a no trade, excuse me, no franchise tag provision. So if he doesn't want to stay in Minnesota, if he wants to test the open market, he can do that. Baker Mayfield coming off of an incredible year with Tampa Bay. I know that the you know the kind of the struck the clock struck midnight with Josh Dobbs, but Josh Dobbs was a starter for a good chunk of this season. Trade targets could include, and people, I get it, it's not exactly a bunch of inspiring names. Jimmy Garoppolo, who could be available from the Raiders. Justin Fields, how interesting would that be to return him back to his home state? Of course, Fields played one season uh, at Georgia before transferring to Ohio State as well now. So kind of the reverse transition back to Atlanta would be sort of compelling to me. Uh, the pickings are slim, though. Yeah. Pickings are slim. That's, 
That's the one player I wanted you to bring up because I was going to mention, I said, Field, get all the names out there. Justin Fields, what do the Bears do? And we've talked about that. We can go on forever. But if they decide to trade Justin Fields and you're the Atlanta Falcons, would you rather have Justin Fields or J.J. McCarthy? Now, you don't have to give up anything to get J.J. You take him at eight, right? Yeah. So for Justin Fields, what are you going to have to give up? They, everybody <laughs> says it's not going to be the eighth pink, Fields. I mean, you were down in Mobile. Uh, yeah, what's, what would it take to get Justin Fields? A second and a fourth? A second and a third? If that's the case, Field, and I get the fact that the money's coming up where you got to commit to Justin Fields. I get all that. But if you're Atlanta, and I like J.J. McCarthy, I don't think he's, to me, a guaranteed guy that I'm going to say is one of my best elite 15 players. Right now I'm at 23 on the board, so that's too high, way too high for eight. If I can get Justin Fields for a second and a fourth-round pick, are you kidding me? Bring him back to where he started his career at Georgia, where he played high school? I, yeah, that's a, that's a no-brainer for me, Field. That no, Justin Fields should end up being an Atlanta Falcon. I'm with you. And if you had Justin Fields with Kyle Pitts, Bijan Robinson, Drake London, and potentially Roma Dunze or Malik Neighbors, like that offense would have a real chance to succeed. And the picks to me would be less consequential there if they're non-first-round picks. I don't want to say that you just throw away second-round picks for nothing, but it's a dramatically different set of circumstances, a second-round pick versus a first-round pick. And I think that cast around him would be certainly a lot to give me confidence that new coordinator Zach Robinson, new quarterback coach TJ Yates, no relation, could get Justin Fields on the right track here. Let's go to the Titans at pick number seven, Mel. And uh, they, of course, have a new head coach and Brian Callahan hired since you and I last had this show on TV. Uh, Rand Carthon, of course, the GM. I got a promotion actually this offseason as well. So GM and I think EVP of football operations. Pick seven, what would you do here to help out Will Levis? You know, that's the option. You have the same thing we talked about We're with the Chargers, the same thing we'll talk about with the Giants, is the offensive tackle slash wide receiver debate. What do you do to help out Will Levis? Will Levis showed great promise. He's a competitor, an elite arm strength. He can move. He can beat you with his legs. Okay, he had the great game, obviously, to start his career against Atlanta, went on the road against the Steelers, played well, nationally televised game. What? Then he talked about the game against Miami when he brought him back. Another game everybody was watching, right? He had games where he showed that tremendous promise. Brian Callahan's got to help him, though. He got hit way too much. He got hurt late. It was an Ole block after Ole block on that offensive line field. They need offensive tackle help. To me, that's the area. Joe Alt makes a lot of sense. But Wide receiver also. Traylon Burks, former first-round pick when they maybe traded A.J. Brown. Remember, A.J. Brown moves on. Traylon Burks is going to be the next A.J. Brown. No, he hasn't. He has not been that guy, right? Then you think about where we are with, with Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins isn't the player he once was. Still good, though, right? Not great, but good. They need a receiver. So I'll ask you, Field, if you're the Tennessee Titans and Brian Callan, are you taking Joe Alt? Or are, if he's there, or are you taking Romo Dunze or Malik Neighbors? Tell you what, Mel, this reminds me of the decision the Bengals had to make a few years ago between Panay Stool or Jamar Chase. The most important lesson being that there is no wrong answer, right? Both of those teams have had tremendous success with those two all-pro level players. I would lean towards offensive tackle. And I get it that the wide receiver spot has been a major vulnerability for them, Mel. They tried last year the free agent route at offensive tackle with Andre Dillard, who sounds like could be a cap casualty this offseason. Get the bird in hand here. Get Joe Walt. You had this home run pick last year. And Peter Skaronsky, who when he was healthy on the field this year, was terrific. Solidify the left side of your line for the next seven years, right? Joe Walt, 
Six foot eight, 322 pounds, as you've talked about. They don't make left tackles like they used to back in the day. Those two players would give Will Levis the time and space that he needs. You know, Will's an aggressive style player, Mel, which I think contributes at times to him getting a little banged up. But we saw this year, right? He got hit, has that high ankle sprain. Next thing you know, Ryan Tannehill is back on the field for a week. You need to protect Will Levis as the prize centerpiece of your offense going forward. I'm not going to fight them if they end up taking a wide receiver at seventh overall. But to me, Joe Walt provides so much certainty at such an important position. And while I think Joe Walt is fully capable of transitioning from left tackle to right tackle, left tackle is for now his most natural position. You wouldn't have to facilitate a change for Joe Walt. I think the Titans are actually sitting in a pretty quietly good spot here at 7th overall with no pressure to take a quarterback and the board kind of feeding them two positions that are really major needs for them with wide receiver and tight end. We're coming back and Antonio Pierce may have already been the Raiders coach for about half this past season. Now he has the full-time seat and a new general manager to work with. When first draft returns, we dive into pick number 13. Mel has his thoughts on which direction they should go. All right, back here on first draft, he's Mel Kuyper Jr., who, if not for his desire to cover the draft 40-plus years ago, this show wouldn't exist. Mel, we're talking about the oh, – oh, 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 I almost said it. That was almost 10 push-ups right there. The Las Vegas Raiders, they've only been there for like four <laughs> seasons now. I should know better, but – they have Antonio Pierce as their head coach. They have the 13th overall pick. And they have, for my money, the most difficult general manager to sniff out what he wants to do in all the NFL, that being Tom Telesco, who has always kept those cards very close to the vest. Remember, Justin Herbert, kind of a surprise pick. No one knew they were going to take Joey Bosa the year that they did. Does a good job of keeping his intentions very much secretive. So let's try to crack the code. What would you do? If you were the Raiders at pick 13, uh, they have options. They have areas of need. the offensive line field. And you'll speak to the free agency issues they had on the offensive line and the direction they could go there. You think about where we are at the cornerback spot, right, with Jones. And you think about Hobbs as a slot guy. They could use a corner. And there's going to be a corner there. Terrion Arnold from Alabama is a nice player. Quinion Mitchell from Toledo had a great senior bowl week. He had a great career at Toledo. Kept, you know, intercepting passes, breaking up passes. He did it all. You think about where we are with Nate Wiggins at Clemson. Nice player. Should test really well. Had a heck of a year for the Clemson Tigers. Got better as his career went along. Cooper DeGene, I think, is a corner coming out of Iowa. Some think he's a safety. He's coming off the injury. There's going to be a lot of defensive backs, a lot of corners in the mix there when the Raiders are up. But the O-line is an issue I think they have to certainly think about addressing. And then where are we at quarterback with this football team field? You know, Jimmy Garoppolo, you said, hey, he's an option for other teams, right? They kind of kicked him to the curb. And they said, okay, Aiden O'Connell, let's see what he has. And he showed flashes, right? But are you moving forward with Aiden O'Connell? You're in the AFC field. You can't be way down the line a quarterback, certainly in your division, Okay, you got to deal with Patrick Mahomes and you got to deal with Justin Herbert. Yeah. And you're, you can't be third. You can't be third or fourth <laughs> in the division. Okay, you got to close that gap. You could be with those two because you got nobody's catching Patrick. Justin Herbert, at least be close enough, you know, but there can't be a significant gap there. So, Aiden O'Connell, are you okay moving forward with him? If not, what do you do at quarterback? JJ McCarthy's out there possibly at that point. The O line, like I said, an issue. The secondary, an issue. Then you look at the linebacker spot. There's areas where you 
you could say, will Mike McDonald go and get a Patrick Queen from Baltimore sure. to help out? This is a, you know, what are they going to do with Seattle coming up? We're yep. going to be talking about them. So Seattle, the Raiders, these new coaches, Seattle's a team we're going to be discussing field. I think you could go free agency there. Will the Raiders hit free agency as well and address some of these needs? But I want to talk to you about the O-line field, free agency there and how it impacts the draft. Yeah, because they've got a couple of guys who played legit number of snaps for them this past year, Mel, that are going to be free agents. Jerain Illuminor, who might be a player they feel like they need to upgrade anyways, scheduled to become a free agent. Colt Miller, a very good left tackle when healthy. He was mm-hmm. dealing in dealing with injuries all offseason. So a new offensive line coach in Las Vegas. I think that's important to note because offensive line coaches, more than maybe any other position coach in all of football, influence the type of players that a team targets. So on top of, of course, what you mentioned with the cornerback need and the quarterback need, if we want to have this offensive tackle situation and discussion, Mel, I think there's going to be options for them at pick number 13. Obviously, we've already talked about Joe Alt and him likely being off the board by pick number seven at the latest. But how about Olufashanu from Penn State? Tyler Guyton from Oklahoma. Talisa Fuaga, another great week for him down there in the Senior Bowl after a bunch of great weeks during the season for Oregon State. I don't know how much the guy looking like a Raider matters anymore, right? Of course, Al Davis had his archetypes that so often he was turning back to, but... Doesn't Talisa Fuaga, with his nastiness, feel like he could be the kind of guy that would fit right in with Las Vegas, who does want to play some smash-mouth football, Mel? And cornerback, absolutely, unquestionably a need. But if I were to make the case to try to turn to the offensive side of the ball at, at, at offensive tackle, I would note this. The Raiders last year played nearly 71% of their snaps in zone coverage. It was the highest percentage of any team in the NFL. That might have been because the personnel they had, they didn't have full implicit trust in, but they also proved that if you can rush up front, we can survive in the back end by sort of disguising some of the personnel issues that we might have. How about offense? Let's go back to the offense tackles, though, Mel. I'll I'll save that uh, cornerback thought and conversation for a different time. Offensive tackles, are you in line with my sort of Talisa Fuaga, Tyler Guyton range right there? Yeah, I think the right tackle spot with Guyton. I think Marius Mims, sure, certainly. Yeah, I think J.C. Latham. I think there's going to be a host of offensive tackles that are proven entities at that right tackle spot. We think eight or nine could go in the first round in terms of the offensive tackle spot. And then you get into the draft isn't the only way field. There's going to be free agency acquisitions, free agents lost, free agents added to these football teams. Like I said, we're going to get to Seattle in a minute, and I think they will attack it because they have a new coach coming in. How did he – Antonio Pierce has been with this team, though. He knows his personnel. So I think when you look at Antonio Pierce, might be a different situation there. I just believe myself feel they got to figure out quarterback. All these other things are fine, but if you don't have that guy, and I internally, how do they feel about Aiden O'Connell is going to be critical, but certainly if you feel like, okay, we got to help them, the offensive line because of the free agency losses you're going to have is key, and it really falls in line with what the strength of this draft is, and those offensive tackles we talked about could be in play, certainly when the Raiders are up. All right, let's go a few picks down, and of course, uh, the Seattle Seahawks have the 16th overall pick and a new head coach. Mike McDonald, you referenced a little bit earlier, he comes uh, from being in Baltimore as their coordinator, did an unbelievable job this year, Mel. And in your first mock draft, you had the Seahawks taking J.J. McCarthy. Has the decision to hire Mike McDonald influenced how you think number 16 might go? 
No, I think what Mike McDonald's going to do is look, like I say, at free agency. He's going to try to help some lead areas, and we'll get to what they have on paper going into this draft. But certainly you think about the heir apparent to Geno Smith. Is J.J. McCarthy a possibility there? We're bringing his name up a lot because he's going to be, I think, the fourth quarterback off the board. Ahead of Michael Penix Jr., ahead of Bo Nix. That's just my opinion right now and real time field. Yep. That can change between now and late April. For right now, I think he's the fourth guy. You think about where we are in terms of need areas for this football team. they got to be able to stop the run. They brought in Leonard Williams, right? Gave up a second-round pick. Another guy, I love Tavondre Sweat as a great run stopper, but you can get him down the line. Certainly, this will be a little high, certainly for the first round. Most people think second round for him, but a run stopper is what Mike McDonald's going to need, okay? You think about where they are in terms of free agency. I think Patrick Queen, you know him from Baltimore. Could he move on? This is a team that needs a linebacker help at that spot. They have Brooks, their free agent, like to have him back, but Bobby Wagner's up there in age now, free agent. So linebacker, off ball, like a Patrick Queen brought in via free agency. Familiarity with Mike McDonald, that's always the case when these coaches get new positions field. Seattle, like we talked about with the Raiders, it kind of works in unison there. The quarterback spot, we know who we have with Seattle, but do we want the heir apparent, or do we want to solidify other areas of need for Seattle? You talk about the O-line, you talk about different areas there. I, you know, I look at it for Seattle, you know, to me, how highly do they regard J.J.? Yep. And if they feel like, okay, you know, he's not high enough field, we got to go a different spot. They have three or four key need areas they could address. Mel, I guarantee you this. No team will have better intel other than the Chargers on J.J. McCarthy, right? Mike McDonald, Mike McDonald was there in 2021 when J.J. was a true freshman. Obviously, that's a different version of him, but his connections to that program are innumerable, right? He's got plenty of ways to decide, is J.J. worth it, if they even want to go down that quarterback pathway. I'll continue to offer up defense, Mel, and I'll offer two names in particular that I think could be impact players for the Seahawks at pick number 16 overall. Let's we'll start with Byron Murphy. This team couldn't stop the run last year, Mel. Had an incredible last season with the University of Texas. The other defensive tackle in most people's eyes had five sacks, but also a real impact player against the run. And let's start it now, Mel, because maybe this is a little bit too aggressive after a senior bowl week. But maybe the best player that I saw from start to finish last week in Mobile was Darius Robinson from Missouri. And the beauty of Darius Robinson is that playing for Mike McDonald, who you know, I mean, the stuff that he dials up is maniacal, right? The way he's got players lining up, the way he designs those blitzes, unbelievable. Darius Robinson can play pretty much anywhere. This guy was a defensive tackle for the first three seasons of his, of his college career, and he says, oh, you need me to play edge? I'll play edge, no problem. I'll go have eight and a half sacks, be one of the best pass rushers in the entire SEC conference this past week in Mobile during one-on-one -on -one drills. Lining up as an edge, he's getting the job done there. Lining up as a three technique, getting the job done, done there. Lining up as a nose tackle, getting the job done there, Mel. So a player that I think really made himself a lot of money last week and is going to be the kind of guy that defensive coaches are going to say, I don't care what the cost is, get me some Darius Robinson. Yeah, the versatility field, to be able to move him around, scheme versatility is something I certainly Mike McDonald could look at with Darius Robinson, uh, no doubt about it. I think you look at Boye Mafe had with nine sacks, you think about Derek Hall didn't have a sack, but certainly has the ability coming off the edge to maybe get some big you know, impact in terms of improvement this year with the new coach coming in. So I think there's some young guys they got a key on, getting Hall better, keeping it going with Mafe, adding an inside backer, stopping the run. He's at 27th in per carry average allowed, yes, but the offensive guard spot, 
spots in another area they could address. And like you say, familiarity with J.J. McCarthy is key. But I'm with you on Darius Robinson. I think he played himself in to being a first-round draft choice. Yeah, certainly a player that we felt like after last week was just too good to ignore. We had to highlight him, as we did on Friday's show, which you can check out if you have not already. We're coming back up uh, to recap our final thoughts from the Senior Bowl game itself. Those are the teams with new head coaches. First draft returns in just a few moments. Mel Kuyper Jr., I'm Field Yates. Closing thoughts coming your way. All right, wrapping up here on First Draft, another fun show here on TV. We have so appreciated the support of everybody that has checked out the show during its first episode. And Mel, of course, on Saturday we had the Senior Bowl, a, a great, great event, just a terrific preview of what's to come. Close to 85% of the guys in that game are likely to be drafted. Did you have any thoughts from the senior bowl, whether it was a player that stood out during the game, during the week, or something else? Yeah, look at the guys during the practices field. You're down there. And then the game itself, obviously, you think some guys didn't play in the game. That's been the trend with bowl games. Senior bowl now, you got to be concerned about that. Guys practice the day of the game. I don't want to risk injury. I've done enough. I'll prove my point. I think when you look at the cornerback position and the Quinion Mitchell from Toledo, to be able to lock down on receivers is so critical in this league field. The cornerback position, as critical as any, you can't rely on the pass rush all the time to get home. you got to cover on the back end. can't be handsy, can't be grabby. And for Mitchell to be the way he was at Toledo and then to go down there and perform against the talent that you have at the Senior Bowl practice and be able to prove that he belongs in that discussion to be CB1, CB2 and with Terry and Arnold from Alabama, with Nate Wiggins from Clemson, with a Cooper DeGene from Iowa. I think he put himself heavily in that discussion. I thought Field in Mach 1 he could be there in the late first round. I'm thinking more mid-first round as we speak right now for Mitchell from Toledo. Totally agree on that one, Mel. He looked apart and more this past week. The only thing I'll say from the game that we didn't get a chance to cover in depth on Friday is you and I have spent a lot of this show talking about teams maybe paying too much for quarterbacks relative to where we have them on our big board. I think Spencer Rattler could be the quarterback that if you're willing to be patient on day two, Mel, might be appropriately drafted and have the chance to not right away, but to eventually become a starter in the NFL. All the buzz that surrounded Spencer Rattler a few years ago when he was the Heisman Trophy favorite going into the season with Oklahoma. Things took a hard turn, finished his career at South Carolina, a lot of experience, good athlete, really threw the ball well this past week, Mel, and it's obvious he's got a ton of natural leadership to bring to the table as well. So a solid week there for Spencer Rattler, deserved the attention that he is getting following that game. That's going to do it here for this week's version of First Draft, at least part one, because we do have another show coming up on Thursday in podcast form and also on YouTube. He is Mel Kuyper Jr. The man needs no further introduction or mention. Go check out all of his work. We are back here on Thursday. Mel, I'll talk to you then. Enjoy the next few days. I know you're going to miss me a lot. You got it, pal. Always a pleasure. <laughs>